Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Yellow Heart, we consider a family. People that come and work with us, we consider, you know, part of the family and the artists will do anything for them. You know, it's an artist-friendly company, a fan-friendly company. The artists that come along often become very friendly and engage with our team and shoot ideas off each other and we're open to doing cool stuff with people. So any artists that are out there, it's really, you know, we're trying to create that family, an environment where artists could have freedom of expression, freedom of creativity, know that they're going to be supported and looked after. And I don't think that's ever existed in the live event ticketing space before. I think it's been a very mechanical industry that has been something that is just frankly kind of boring and you just kind of deal with it versus having a home where you can come to a company and know no matter what I do in the live space, this company is going to be innovative, supportive, and have my back. And that's what we're really trying to do for the artists and the fans is have their back. That was Josh Katz, the founder and CEO of Yellowheart, and he is my guest on this episode, episode 204 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to make you aware of some opportunities we have here at the Leaders in Payments podcast. We have various sponsorship opportunities, including our upcoming Diversity and Inclusion Month in March. We're also launching a new series of podcasts called The Pulse of Payments where we're focusing on a specific topic for an entire month. For example, we'll cover embedded finance, open banking, cross-border payments, and more. Please contact me directly at greg at leadersandpayments.com for more information. Now, on to the show. If you think of one area of the music industry that has remained totally stagnant amidst all of the technology evolution, what would it be? For those of you who said ticketing, you're exactly right. Now, for those of you wondering what revolutionizing the ticketing industry has to do with payments, I have Yellow Heart CEO and founder Josh Katz here to tell you. Yellow Heart is a Web3-based digital ticketing platform with a mission to evolve live event ticketing for the first time in history. And where does it all start? With the payment, of course. In Josh's model, the payment is actually the point of engagement that allows for a ticketing experience that far exceeds the traditional industry standard. In fact, the payment process unlocks a plethora of perks available for purchasers. This includes everything from the capacity to receive messages, digital content, high-end art, coveted vinyls, and a slew of other interactive engagement tools. Before Yellowheart, the ticket would die immediately after the point of entry. Now, just the point of purchase brings and keeps it alive. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Josh, thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Greg. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Hey, great. So I grew up in the greater New York area on Long Island. I uh, went to school in Ithaca College up in Ithaca, New York, came back to New York City after graduating, uh, started working in the music business and then did um, business school at NYU and then continued through the music industry where I've been 
you know, I spent a decade in the traditional music business and then I built a background music company over the likes of 10 years. And then in 17, I started Yellow Heart, which is where I know what we're here to talk about. Great. Perfect segue. So let's talk about Yellow Heart. Tell the audience what Yellow Heart does. So Yellow Heart does Web3 ticketing, where we are evolving live event ticketing for the first time really in history, where, you know, a live event ticket has always just been a barcode, a proof of entry, a receipt, so to speak, where we're turning it into a full engagement tool and fan retention tool. Okay. And who are your typical customers? Well, that's a evolving thing right now where... To date, if you look back historically, we launched the product one year ago. Last year, we did lots of proof of concepts, testing, working with a lot of really NFT native conferences and people within the Web3 space ticketing their events. And then also beyond that, People like Tau Group, who's you know the largest nightclub operator in the world, MGM in Las Vegas, Blue Note Jazz Clubs, and a variety of others. So we've built out a fairly robust client base for really our year one of operation. And moving into year two now, we're looking to greatly expand that client base. Okay. You talked about the engagement part. So maybe if you don't mind laying out for us sort of what do you mean by engagement? What specifically are the capabilities? So what I mean is if you look at a live event ticket, a concert ticket, a sporting ticket today, the ticket does really nothing except let you in the door. It tells you, you know, where the event is and gives you proof of purchase and then it dies upon redemption. Whereas our tickets enable for messaging of fans, for digital content of fans, for high-end art as collectability for the fans, and ongoing engagement tools where the ticket doesn't die upon entry, it actually comes to life. It really comes to life pre-event, giving you opportunities and access and other perks pre-event. Then it really guides you through your event day of, and then it continues to give you benefits and perks post-event, including really bringing you into a community for whatever artist that might be. Say it's you know a major rock band or a pop artist or something like that, or a rapper that you now you're part of that community, having known that you went to one of the concerts, or maybe with our technology we could tell that you've been to five of those concerts. You could start gaining rewards and being really looked upon as a higher level fan because we have that information about your fandom. So that's really what it's looking to do is evolve a sector that traditionally has been pretty boring and has really suffered from a lack of evolution. Okay. And from the sort of payment perspective, is there anything unique you're doing there or is it most people continue to pay with a credit card or anything unique or different there? Yeah, so nothing really that unique. You know, in today's world, what we are doing is we're accepting credit card, which is really almost 100% of our transactions go over credit card. So that's something that we really, you know, continue to thrive on. We do accept Bitcoin payments. Whereas, you know, a year ago they were being used, especially for a lot of the events we were selling that are NFT or crypto native events. Now that seems to have weaned off where Bitcoin has shifted from really a payment 
based currency to more of a store of value. Right now, there's a lot of flux because of various macroeconomics and market conditions and all the things that have happened in the crypto space. Clearly, all the recent activity around FTX has put a real hard stop on the overall sector. So TBD, how that evolves. But right now, we're seeing it more of a store of value. and We're not really seeing many transactions over Bitcoin whatsoever. Okay, okay. And are you focused strictly on the US right now? Well, we're selling tickets around the world, actually. So we're selling them in Asia, Europe, in the US, so uh, worldwide at the moment. Okay, okay. And is it a SaaS-based business or is it more transaction fee-based? So it's really a transaction fee-based business. That's where it all is headed right now. It's where it's kind of all been. So that's how we make money is on every transaction. Okay. And what would you say differentiates your company from any of your competitors out there? Well, it's really the technology where we offer a much more robust tech stack that offers up ticket issuers a lot more opportunities to monetize the fan than with current tickets where there's really one opportunity to monetize the fan. Okay. So what you've, I guess, trying to just paraphrase what you've done is taken a a static ticket and made it into something that's more of an engagement and you've built a platform around that. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we call the ticket as a platform where we have the full-on platform that supports the actual ticket, where the ticket does not die upon entry, but really comes to life. Okay. So do those venues that sign up with you, do they make money? Like, are they, are they then providing something to the actual performers that come to the venue? Well, to the performer, the performer is getting paid. What it does, though, is it allows the performer to further monetize the fan base and engage with the fan base. So, Imagine going to a concert and a few days later you get, just because you're holding the ticket, you get a copy of the entire concert given to you. Or you have the opportunity to buy merchandise that's authentic ahead of the show because you're holding a ticket. So you don't have to worry about taking it around in a shopping bag the entire night. Or you're getting early access to pre-sales for the next tour because we know you went to this tour. So a lot of benefits and perks that just don't exist with the current ticketing models out there and those current platforms. Gotcha. Okay. Well, where do you see this industry headed in, say, the next two to three years? You know, I think everything is going to really move where we're headed right now, where we are today. Like, we are where the ball kind of is headed, uh, using Web3 technology to evolve a sector that's been stagnant forever. So where I think it will go is, you know, there'll be early companies like us that continue to foster innovation, but I think there'll be a lot more companies that come on to a space that's been dominated by a few companies that have really not had much innovation on the tech side, where much cooler companies will come along and reinvigorate the sector. You know, there's a lot of pending issues, as been widely reported, around DOJ action of the breakup of Ticketmaster Live Nation, of the monopoly that they hold in the U.S. And as things like this start to materialize and as ticketing becomes more of an open playing field, it's going to lead to further innovation. And as this innovation happens, you're going to see more companies like Yellowheart start to come out with much cooler ways as a fan of guaranteeing that you get a great ticket to your favorite artist, guaranteeing that you're treated right, you're not treated like cattle, and just leading to a better experience for those looking to attend live events and sports. Okay, and I have to ask the question, where did the name Yellow Heart come from? 
So the name Yellow Heart is derived from the meaning of a yellow heart, which is to have a heart of gold and to be compassionate and caring about others. So that's the ethos of our company is to be the most fan-friendly and artist-friendly company that existed. Because think about where you buy tickets today. I mean, you, would you consider Ticketmaster a fan-friendly company? <laughs> no. So we're trying to be the opposite. And that's the meaning of the company. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I want to circle back to the crypto thing and kind of get your your view on that. I mean, I think once we're past this wave of sort of bad press and, and negative things that have happened and maybe, you know, some macroeconomic things start to turn around and maybe that's a year from now. But I think everyone believes at least blockchain is here to stay. It's a secure way to do business, whether that becomes, you know, whether crypto things are built on it or or not. I mean, do you foresee in the future people starting to use crypto? I mean, is that part of your longer term plan or is it basically you'll take any, you know, payment is is not as important to your business as the engagement is? Well, let me answer that in two parts. The first is that we create smart tickets using blockchain technology, Web3 technology. Blockchain, you know, to really have transparency and eliminate fraud, smart contracts to send resale profits, either cap them through the smart contract where the ticket can only be sold for a certain amount above, and then dividing that money back to the actual stakeholders in a way, disincentivizing scalpers, controlling pricing, things like that. Then you get into crypto, which is a totally another part of Web3, where that's currencies. Now, until there's further oversight from the regulators and there's actual action taken in the U.S., it's very hard for us to be playing in that field because we don't know what's going to hold value and what's not. As a tech stack, because we're fully Web3 native, we are enabled to accept all Ethereum EVM compatible payments, which is Ethereum and any other crypto built on the Ethereum network. And we're also set up to accept any type of Bitcoin payments. The question is, is outside of the U.S., you know, listen, we're happy to accept these types of payments. We just don't know how much activity there'll be both inside the U.S. and outside. A year ago, the climate on the overall use of crypto, the valuation of people's holdings of crypto was much higher and more bullish than it is today. Whereas until there's more clarity on how the government entities are looking at these, it's going to be harder to see the mass adoption right now. So I think it's going to be a very questionable year around cryptocurrency. And, you know, we're ready, we're equipped, we can take crypto for payment today. The question is whether anyone will actually use it, which I have my doubts about this year. I think it's going to be pretty thin. But that could change in the years to come once things are, there's clear direction as to what everything is used for. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a great viewpoint. I read on the website there's a, a yellow heart wallet. Could you talk about the wallet and what the wallet does? Yeah, so the tickets that we issue are self-custody tickets, meaning they are the ticket stubs themselves are non-fungible tokens with smart contracts that are programmed with things like full albums in them, physical redemption of like merchandise and vinyl and immersive visual art as the actual tickets and the ability to share updates through the tickets with fans. So in order to power all of that, we needed to build our own 
Bitcoin wallet. Unfortunately, we were not able to rely on MetaMask, on Coinbase, on any of the other standard crypto wallets to power our platform because the Web3 tickets that we're building, you know, whether it's the NFT stubs, the programmable smart contracts to send royalties back and to include various perks in the tickets needed to be held in a wallet and there was no wallet suitable in the current marketplace to be able to have that. You know, we're the only wallet that has gated audio streaming, gated video streaming, merchandise that's embedded into the smart contract of the ticket. So that merch is owned by the owner, whether they redeem it themselves or whether they resell the ticket post event. So imagine your ticket comes with exclusive tour merch and you go to the show and you say, you know what? I don't even want that hoodie and that vinyl. I'll sell it. Now you sell it on a secondary and your ticket just recouped you money post the concert. So things like that, we needed our own wallet in order to power them. Where that's going to head next is with the Yellow Heart Protocol, we're going to enable other companies to use our technology to issue tickets, both primary and secondary, using the same technology, where they're not going to have to build it themselves. Other companies will be able to come on and, and just use our existing code base in order to issue these types of tickets. And that's going to lead to a much wider spread use of this technology and ticketing. And we're just looking to enable more companies to enter the space. So it kind of just, you see quicker adoption. You know, we're not looking at it where we're trying to lock others out. We're actually building technology to try to bring more companies into the space. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I assume the wallet is something an individual gets and it's it's your brand today and they can use it for more than one ticket. It becomes a, a true wallet in that they always have it. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, I know myself as a uh, kid, any concert I went to, I still have the ticket stubs that like, you know, they're pieces of paper in, in envelopes in my you know desk drawer. Today, I even collect some stubs. Often they're pretty boring though. So this enables really high art and programmable art and just really cool stuff, immersive visuals and audio to be put into the ticket stub and to become a entertainment and creative mechanism for the artist where you go to a playoff game or you go to see a Coldplay concert and that ticket stub is just like awesome. It's a real collector's item. And that's what the wallet and all of our technology enables the teams and the artists to give their fans. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. I know you mentioned you started your career in the music business. So maybe tell us a little more about that part of your career and then, you know, how you got from there to to founding and being the CEO of Yellow Heart. Sure. I'll kind of just go way back in college in Ithaca, New York. I was promoting shows, you know, just out of pure uh, passion for putting music on. Then I worked in the recorded music business within BMG at Arista Records, Jive Records, was involved launching back in the mid-late 90s, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, a lot of that music, lots of rap albums. And then I left the music business, traditional music business in 2003, and I started a company called EL Media. EL Media went on to really pioneer putting good music into public spaces, meaning like restaurants, hotel lobbies, airports, spas, retail stores, where before EL Media, you'd go and hear what's called Muzak, 
which is remakes of really of songs that just sound frankly pretty terrible. We pioneered putting like really good music and DJ playlists and all the stuff into like all the cool restaurants, lounges, hotels, hotel lobbies, stuff like that. So that company I grew for a number of years and as I was growing it, I around, you know, maybe 15, I got, you know, into Bitcoin and then Ethereum and knew that web3 technology was going to be the future. So I actually sold that company in late 16 and just kind of went deep into crypto and in 17 started Yellowheart. The notion being to really use the web3 technology meaning all of it, you know, from blockchain to smart contracts to NFTs to potentially even crypto and, and the metaverse and other parts of web3 to accelerate and evolve an industry which was important to me. I'm a massive live music fan and sports fan, so I go to lots of concerts and lots of games and ticketing has just always been an issue where, you know, I have lots of friends who like to go to concerts with me and my crew and just like it's always an issue like tickets are always a thing where you know it's just like we figured out music streaming is awesome where you could stream music and pay a monthly fee and have all the music you could listen to but then when you want to go to a game or a concert they just like kill you with the pricing and you know when you dissect that it's not really the bands getting the money always it's not the teams there's this whole third party middleman rent seeking population that's been born called scalpers and they come in and they get the tickets both the really great seats and also you know the mediocre and the nosebleed seats and they mark them up like hundreds of percentages in most cases and then they put them on these other marketplaces that sell them like StubHub and SeatGeek and Vivid and when they sell them those platforms then charge exorbitant fees and all in all the consumer just gets hurt really badly not only paying a tremendously marked up price but then paying additional fees at checkout that are you know you talking about like 50, 60% fees in some cases, tremendous fees. And that became such a problem that, you know, Ticketmaster, who issues the vast majority, about 80% of the primary tickets, came in and they decided, hey, we're not going to let third-party companies make the money. We'll just mark them up ourselves. So they started selling what they call Platinum and these other programs. You know, I don't recall all the names where they just mark them up themselves and sell them at sky-high prices, either primary or secondary. So because of the lack of competition, there's also been this massive lack of innovation. And all of this Web3 technology seemed to lend itself to Fixing this industry and evolving it the same way, you know, streaming really was able to, you know, enhance the music industry where the fans were getting ripped off there. They're having to buy CDs for $24 to get one song in some cases or two songs and you're forced to buy this. So that needed to be corrected by technology, which it was. And it was a long curve, too. It's really the main reason I left the traditional music business is they at the time I was working as an executive and they were fighting streaming as opposed to embracing it. So I left and did, you know, private streaming, which, you know, I was able to make a living out of. But in the live business, it's never really been corrected. There's been this massive problem of overcharging the fan, poor technology, little innovation, a monopoly that's controlling the U.S. market, and no one's done anything about it. So I saw it as an opportunity to kind of go after it. 
Yeah. And it sounds like you're definitely doing that and you've had some investment. So I assume some some investors have seen the vision that you have and have agreed to invest in the company. Yeah, no, we've definitely had some very smart VCs and individuals and others that have invested in what we're doing and believe in what we're doing. We've also had a ton of VCs who don't believe in what we're doing and you know don't want to get behind it because they don't believe that Ticketmaster could be disrupted. You know, the irony is they have so much market share in the U.S. that a tiny piece of market share even represents a massive business. Plus, it's a worldwide thing where, you know, they're a dominant company in North America, but this goes worldwide. It's a massive business worldwide, and we're a worldwide company. So it's been an interesting thing navigating that community where I think also like a lot of Web3 companies, a year ago, we were turning away money because we had so much thrown at us. And suddenly everything kind of turned the opposite way midway through last year, where the VC community started making fear-based decisions, not you know forward-looking decisions, where they were making everything based off of fear of losing their own jobs and a lot of you know anxiety ridden people kind of, you know, started looking at things that way. So there's been a big shift in the way things are. So we're just kind of riding the wave. We're playing the long game. We're not here to kind of just do things quickly and be done. So we'll play this as it's kind of, it happens. Right, right. Well, what are some things you're passionate about? So maybe one work-related passion and one personal passion. Well, work-related, I'm super passionate about what we're doing here at Yellow Heart. I'm super passionate about Web3 technology, about helping fans achieve lower-priced tickets and more shows and helping artists be direct with their fans. On the personal level, you know, you know, very passionate about music. You know, I play the guitar, I collect vintage acoustic guitars, and I also support a lot of new luthiers, which is, you know, people making a living building instruments. I try to really look for great builders and support them. You know, I enjoy snowboarding and reading and spending as much time as I can in the ocean and on the, and on the beach. So those are my passions, my family. Okay. And, you know, when people come to your company, obviously you have a passion for the music business and disrupting kind of the status quo. But what kind of advice do you give people when, they, when they're coming into your business, say they're pretty fresh out of school or something and you're hiring them, what do you tell them that they need to do to be successful? Well, you know, for us right now, in my previous businesses, I've hired a lot of people fresh out of school because you have lower tier entry level jobs where people could be trained and they learn and they end up in many cases sticking around for a lot of years and climbing the ladder. Yellowheart's fairly new and we've had to have super specialized, super brilliant engineering talent as the majority of our staff up until now. So we haven't had many fresh out of college people join the company. It's been really seasoned professionals right now that work at Yellowheart who have built other businesses and are really best in class technologists. So I haven't had that really happen yet. This year, there could be some entry level hires but there are none slated right now. We're in a position as a company where we're just hiring best-in-class people with real Web3 experience, real live event experience. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, Josh, we've covered a lot of ground about you and the company and what you do and what makes it different in your background. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, listen, you know, Yellow Heart 
we consider a family. People that come and work with us, we consider, you know, part of the family and the artists will do anything for them. You know, it's an artist friendly company, a fan friendly company. The artists that come along often become very friendly and engaged with our team and shoot ideas off each other and we're open to doing cool stuff with people. So any artists that are out there, it's really, you know, we're trying to create that family, an environment where artists could have freedom of expression, freedom of creativity, know that they're going to be supported and look after. And I don't think that's ever existed in the live event ticketing space before. I think it's been a very mechanical industry that has been something that is just frankly kind of boring and you just kind of deal with it versus having a home where you can come to a company and know no matter what I do in the live space, this company is going to be innovative, supportive, and have my back. And that's what we're really trying to do for the artists and the fans is have their back. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable. So I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 